Okay, so, so sad to see you go there, Peter. Uh, let's give Peter a warm welcome. And I never saw a woman beat up a microphone before. That was painful. My name is Peter, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Grateful to be alive and sober and part of a sacred place called Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, um, grateful to be here and thank you guys for having me the last few weeks um, to share my experience and hope on what it was like living on self-will, what happened to spiritual transformation, what it's like now, what I'm currently uh, doing, what I've been currently doing, and um, experientially talking to you about the, uh, the 12 steps. And uh, it would be real easy to uh, give you strictly mechanics for 12 weeks. We can get a CD, put it in here of a million people who do mechanics, and uh, you get just some information. And um, knowledge received intellectually provides no nourishment for the soul. This has to be about getting experience with the information we're putting out there. And uh, the, th the message that carries, for me, uh, always carried depth and weight was when a sponsor or someone giving a talk shared the mechanics because they're important. And I've heard too many people have sideways and backwards mechanics and wonder why it didn't work. But the mechanics are important, but we shouldn't worship the mechanics. Is when they presented that to me with their experience of what it was like going through step four, what their experiences were going through step four, the experiences doing step five, and so on. And that carried depth and weight because it made me sit there and say they really did this. And we have a lot of prophets in AA who give you mechanics and uh, you don't want to break bread with them or have a cup of coffee with them because it's only mechanics, you don't have any experience. And so uh, I've hoping I've been able to do that a, a little bit. Uh, step 12, I, I found something that I've held on to forever and this comes from World Services. And we, some, we come to a fellowship and in the fellowship we have a program and in the program we give it all away in, in service. And lots of times meetings in certain, in certain places have replaced God in the 12 steps. And this is from World Services. It says, how soon will I be cured? If you mean when you will be able to drink again in a normal way, the answer is never. The fact is once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. If on the other hand, you mean when will you be free from, desire, from the desire to drink? The answer is the rapidity with which you succeed in changing your fundamental outlook on life determines the time when you will be free. This in turn depends entirely on the degree of uh, sincerity and energy with which you immerse yourself into the AA program, not fellowship. Some get almost instant relief, for others it is a matter of weeks, and in some rare cases, months. Our case uh, histories prove that if a person definitely decides to get rid of a drinking problem and is not mentally impaired, no failure is possible. What a huge promise. Provided the person honestly and energetically follows the 12 suggested steps in the AA program, doesn't say anything about fellowship. So how can we have meeting makers make it, make 90 meetings in 90 days, don't drink and go to meetings, make meetings, make more meetings, when you want to make a meeting, make another meeting, 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 meeting. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Uh. 
How come you couldn't take your son to the, to the baseball game while I got home group tonight? How come you couldn't spend time with you and your wife on your wedding anniversary while I got home group tonight? I have to get a coin tonight. How come you couldn't uh, sit down and have Christmas uh, dinner with your family? Oh, I got a meeting to make tonight. Shame on you. Especially if we're around here a little while. Need to be grounded and reach for the stars. We can be up in the heavens with our head, our feet better be grounded on. And, and a book talks about, uh, it, it sounds like a line from the Godfather, and it says something like, if you don't spend time with your family, what kind of spiritual condition do you have? In the other movie, it says a man's not a man if he doesn't spend time with his family. Right? And the same thing for the women. So we can come into Alcoholics Anonymous, we get immersed in this, we get evangelical, we get fired up, we get lathered up, that's a great thing. We want to shout it from the rooftops and share with everybody, we want to go into Publix and tell everyone, I'm an AA, I'm an alcoholic, you know. And uh, we all do that, and we think everyone we meet, every celebrity is in AA because they use a little slogan, and we get wrapped up in this and immersed. Great thing. It's better than the way we're living. But what I found out is we also, this is my life. I don't believe for me AA is a bridge back to life. That's someone else's philosophy that works for you great. But this is my life. But because of this, because I'm a journeyman, because I'm in this, I'm able to stay home at night and sometimes just read, which I love doing. Stay home at night and maybe go out for dinner, go to a Christmas party, you know, attend a function. We're able to do things like that and sleep at night. Because if I'm around here a while and I'm still not knocking out 10, 15 meetings a week and I'm leaving out my family, my affairs, then I have something wrong with my spiritual condition. And if I follow the AA program and I get spiritually fit, I'm able to do things that I can never do before, including with the holidays coming, attending parties where liquor is being served if I have good reason for being there. Right? Some of us don't work in a treatment center where we're hoping everyone's sober. Some of us work for regular companies and they're not sober. They're bombed this time of year. Right? But I, if I have a reason to go there, I can go. I can go in and get out sober and have a good time, and that's it. Same thing with weddings. I mean, I've attended a bunch of weddings and all sorts of parties, and usually around 1130, that party starts to change. Well, right? <laughs> Well, Uncle Joe says, let's get together. He don't even know he's talking to you right now, right? But usually around 11.30, that's the cue to say, you know, I'm out. I don't have to stay till 3 in the morning, but I can go in while they're getting drunk and not get drunk and be okay in a position of neutrality, safe and protected because we're spiritually fit as a result of the program. There's another little piece in this pamphlet. Again, it talks about being a member of AA means that I'm following the direction and suggestions from the elders which give me the program, which is different from the fellowship, which is what I want to touch on a little bit. We have the circle and the triangle, equilateral triangle, and a circle wrapped around it. I can't tell you how many people I've sat down with and sponsored and paid no attention to it. Just thought it was a logo, you don't have to pay attention to it. And yet it is a, 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 a summary of what we do here. And very often we'll hear folks say, I'm in the program, he's in the program, you're in the program, we go to the program, they're in the program, wrong. We're not in a program. There's a methadone program. I hope you're not in that. That's what we use on the street. He's in the program. It means he was taking 40 milligrams a day. That's what that meant, right? The guy in the back says, they give away methadone in here? I'm coming back. <laughs> we come to a fellowship. It's called Alcoholics Anonymous. 
Some of us might visit other 12-step fellowships. For here, we're an AA. I'm an AA member. We come to the fellowship, one side of the triangle, the unity of the fellowship held together with the 12 traditions, the sacredness of our fellowship. We have to be around. I need to be around my kind. I get to be around my kind. I get to participate in this fellowship. But the fellowship alone will not keep me sober. Meetings don't treat alcoholism. A three-legged stool needs three legs, not one. And a lot of us are top-heavy in fellowship, knocking out 20 meetings a week. And that's all we're doing. And we're just not right. So we come to the fellowship, and in the fellowship we have this big book, which gets hammered at many meetings and thrown out of others. That's the program of recovery. The first 164 page. You have stories for identification in the back. So if I'm living in Montana in the hills somewhere and I get a hold of this and I can't be around other AAs, it's a 12-step call. I identify with that guy. Bill's story was basically a 12-step call for other drunks. Yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me. They talk about alcohol number three in a vision for you. When he's talking to Bill and Bob, Bob and Bill are talking, he's going, that's me, that's me, I drink like that. The stories are for identification. The first 164 pages of my program, it's a basic raw formula, uh, a, a blueprint on how to get someone like me well. We take up our beds and walk again. That line is right out of scripture, by the way. Bill borrowed from a lot of different places. As one of my teachers said, Bill was a yes man. He said yes. He wasn't so, we have Bill as this big egomaniac, and maybe he was, but Bill was open to a lot of things that he put in here, a lot of influences. He inquired, he searched out people who were trailblazers at the time, insisting on a spiritual life for successful living. So we take up our beds at walk again as a result of the 12 steps, the program, which I found in the fellowship, which is vital. It's my blood. It's that vital. Without the 12 steps, I don't know how some folks who claim to be real alcoholics, and that's their business, not mine, how they're able to get through a day with sort of having a relationship with God and kind of dancing around the 12 steps with not being all in and grounded in the 12 steps. My blueprint, my, my basic formula to get well, me to get from sick to well, from sick to recovered. That's a guarantee. That's a promise, right? And we'll dance around the 12 steps, and we'll stay away from the 12 steps. We think it's drastic and revolution. Our book says it is. But tell me something. When you're going into projects at 3 in the morning, the cop, that's, that's pretty drastic. That's wow. Remember wow last week? There's my friend wow was over here today. We think about, I think about some of the things I did on my drunks and the risks I took and, and the radical uh, the, how radical my life was coming into AA and surrendering and submitting to the 12 steps as I kept kissing a newborn on the cheek. Why it's difficult, why it was difficult for me or drastic and revolutionary because my ego is the size of this room and wanted no part of God. He's got out, none of this because it still had a piece that wanted to get drunk. But when we're completely broken and we come to the realization of our brokenness like I did, this has to be better than anything else I was doing. I'll give it a shot. How many of us don't even give this a chance? If you had a pill I never saw before, a colored drink I never drank before, I'll take two of them. Let me see where it takes me. But why don't you try the book? Oh, no, that's a little radical. I can't do that. Right? And in this program, which is laid out in the big book, 
If you look at the preface to page 164, there it is, the 12 steps. And we have some chapters called The Wise, the Family Afterwards, A Vision for You to the Employers about practicing these principles in all affairs. Vision for You talks about our history in a tremendous third step, uh, 12 step call, right? What do we do with all of that once we get awakened, once we get enlightened, once we experience oneness with God? What I was told to do is give the whole thing away, go share it. And what we do in, in Comes of Age, it says the basic service that we provide in AA is one drunk work with another. Now we have folks who make coffee, put the key in the door, get the literature, GSRs, DCMs, really, really important. But the basic service that I get to do, that we get to do in AA is sponsorship, one drunk work with another. Which means we're going to piss people off. And if you're a sponsor and you're not annoying your sponsees, you're probably not doing a good job. Because it's about delivering the truth. And the truth will set you free, but it'll annoy you along the way. Right? And as a sponsor, I need to cut through his or her ego. And they're going to fight and they're going to, they're going to get squirrely from time to time. Whether you do it aggressively or gently, the ego doesn't like the truth. I, I was going to read out of uh, Dr. Bob in the good old timers. I found this great story, and uh, it's about Dr. Bob paying a visit on this guy. His name is Ed S., and uh, he's sitting in a, another detox, and he says, Doc, he says, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got drunk. And Dr. Bob puts his finger right in his face. He says, it's about rigorous honesty. You're a liar. He tells him, you stink. Who are you kidding you walked into the bar, you ordered a drink, and you drank it, and that's why you're in a detox. Don't give me that. And he says, right now, you're wasting up, you're wasting a bed that someone could be using. Nowadays, we say, how do you feel today? Are you okay? <laughs> Let's have a feelings meeting and a burning desire after the meeting. Right? Bob was direct, and if you needed to get the bull on you, he would. And that's how they treated this stuff back then. The sense of urgency was great to get well. Do we do that in our meetings nowadays? Some. Some don't. Meetings are replaced God and the 12 steps in the big book. So the basic service uh, we provide in AA is one drunk work with another. We can't transmit something we haven't gotten. Sometimes we will what we do, and that's untreated alcoholism. Now, to even go further with that, in the third edition of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, you had the blue and white, the old blue and white covers, and on the inside, the little fly page, it read this. But the basic text, pages 1 to 164, have remained unchanged. This is the AA message. But the basic text, pages 1 to 164, have remained unchanged. This is the AA message. So, what message as a drunk who claims to be recovered am I passing on? We all have different influences. We have different influences in how we sponsor, different influences how the book was presented to us, and maybe we have a little uh, a difference in approaching the steps, but we need to be coming out of the book. Because if I'm getting claiming to be recovered, I'm not in the book. I'm not recovered. I think I'm recovered because my ego says I am. But if you looked at my behavior outside the meeting, you know I'm not recovered. Right? But the basic text pages 1 to 164 have remained unchanged. This is the A message. What's my home group carrying? I remember doing a talk uh, when I first got down here. And uh, there was a big book meeting. They says, give a 40-minute pitch and we'll go to, you know, uh, comments from the floor. And, he's, and I said, big book meeting? Oh, yeah, we're, we're a big book meeting. So I shared. And the secretary, no, secretary notes went like this, and make 90 meetings in 90 days. 
I said, why did you invite me here for? Why do you claim to be a big book meeting? By the way, I got a letter uh, dropped in my uh, briefcase about six weeks ago, but someone claiming to have 90 meetings in 90 days. And this person said it was on page 300 and something. That's wonderful if it is there in the fourth edition. It's not in the program. There's a lot of different stories in the big book on how people got to meet their God. There are identification, the program, which is very specific, clear-cut uh, 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 format to get well, is in the first portion of the book. And nowhere in that first portion does it say anything about 90 meetings in 90 days. That doesn't make me better than her or vice versa. We just need to get clear on the, the information and stop watering it down and gobbling it for our own convenience. Okay, that's in the stories, not in the program. Now, the interesting thing is as we start to wake up and experience this fellowship, this program, and giving it away in service, even though at the beginning for me they were three separate movements, we become part of the circle. I become part of the circle around the triangle. I become whole, complete, with an okayness, no beginning, no end. I just am. And at that point, each side of the triangle kind of blends into each other. My service looks like recovery. My recovery looks like fellowship, etc. It's all the same movement because now we're experiencing oneness with God and no more duality. And I just want to... Uh, shift off of this for a minute um, before I forget. Last week, someone was filming this talk. And if you're filming this on an iPhone, please don't do that. You're violating traditions, and I don't really appreciate that. So I just want to, I forgot to mention that earlier. Somebody filmed the whole hour. I don't know what they're going to do with it, um, but they filmed it on their iPhone. That's not cool. Okay. That's not cool. At least ask me. Okay, we'll ask James and Rachel. And it's a tradition break, so maybe you didn't know. And if you're here tonight, please don't do that. Um, Along with the program, and we're talking about sponsorship and the different influences in sponsoring and how that looks. We have bulldogs, we have gentle folks, whatever it is, we're coming out of the book. The, the, I always think about the flip side of this is what kind of student am I? Do I have a sponsor in name only? Do I get the popular man or woman so I can say, look, Joe's my sponsor, he speaks all over. Mary's my sponsor, she speaks all over. She's got a hundred little sponsees, so now I'm somebody. And I try to get validation through my sponsor. And when you ask that guy, when that guy comes to you and you say, I'm full, can you see one of the people I sponsor? And they never return again. They were approaching you perhaps because of their ego. But what kind of student are we with the sponsor? When the sponsor gives us direction we don't want to hear, do we follow it? Am I, am I accountable to my sponsor? Am I responsible to my sponsor? Am I consistent? Even though we don't want to make the call because we know we're going to get it. Or when I read the inventory, I know what he's going to say, she's going to say. But I'm very grateful for where God has made me perhaps right size. When Wednesday nights, I go in my bedroom, I close the door, I pick up the phone, I call my sponsor, Mickey, I have my big book, I have my inventory book, I have a pen, and I go. And sometimes we'll talk about AA, sometimes we'll talk about all my inventory, sometimes we'll just talk about stuff, sometimes we'll talk about scripture, but for one hour I'm on the phone with my sponsor, Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. Now if I have a talk to do, I call my sponsor and say, listen, I have a talk to do, can we skip that phone call? Because he's my sponsor. And because I'm sober 25 years, I don't have to call him, I'm, I'm, I'm me. Nonsense. So do we have sponsors and are we using them? Do I call them when I'm just in a jam? 
When I, I sponsor men, some of them would call me and say, I'm just calling to check in, and my reply is, I'm not the Holiday Inn, don't check in. <laughs> and the guys I sponsor don't have to call me every day. If they call me every day, they need to get a life. <laughs> That's not what this is about. This is about getting as independent of me, the sponsor, as quick as possible, and dependent upon God as quick as possible, because I may get drunk in an hour from now, I might drop dead in an hour from now, what are they going to do? But as a teacher, I have a huge responsibility, and it's going to be on my terms, not their terms. The way my sponsor has me on his terms, not my terms. My sponsor said, Wednesday night's my open slot. You're free? What am I going to say? Negotiate? <laughs> All right? And sometimes my sponsor speaks around the country, too, and sometimes he's busy. Sometimes he has uh, functions to go to church functions, and he's like, I can't be there. And we'll miss a week. We'll make it up. But it's about the consistency. So, you know, how many of us look in the mirror and say, I have a sponsor that I work with. When my sponsor goes speaks, I go support him or her. We have a relationship, and I take direction. Because it seems to be my travels, depending on where you go, sponsorship seems to be a lost art. It's like, give me a call, and we'll meet at the diner, and we'll just shoot the breeze. That's great. Uh, taking people to a meeting is taking people to a meeting where hopefully the message is being delivered. It's not sponsorship. Big Book doesn't say if you drive a guy to a meeting seven nights a week, you're his sponsor. Your car service. I hate to be so rude here, but let's, let's talk about the truth, huh? This will ruffle some feathers. All right? I can't tell you how many folks I've met with double-digit sobriety don't even have sponsors. Four years, they don't have sponsors. It's a teacher. And at some point, I found with the sponsor, you almost you walk shoulder to shoulder at some point, too. But he's still the teacher. She's still the teacher, and I will still call him. My grand sponsor sober six million years. He's sober forever. And I was spending time he, uh, at his house for a week, and I was giving a talk in, in Indiana one time, and he's come to my house, and we had dinner with his wife, who's an Al-Anon, and it was just a great time. And he was telling me, he says, uh, he calls this other gentleman, uh, some of you guys may have heard of Tom I, who's sober forever. He says, I call Tom I and share my inventory with him once a week. Here's my grand sponsor, great grand sponsor, Gary B, calling up Tom I, regularly. One sober probably 50 years, the other sober probably about 55 years, and they're swapping inventory. At 25 years, I'm a new kid on a block, I better be calling a sponsor sharing inventory, huh? What powers of example? Giants, icons in Alcoholics Anonymous, right? So I come to the fellowship, I find a program, I give it all away in service. It seems like the more I give, the more I, I, I'm filled up with I, I'm afflicted with an illness, and because of my affliction, I can counsel others because I found a way out. I'm broken, and people who are broken can identify me and me with them, and I can give them counsel because I found a way out. God has been able to console me and fix me. Can I do that for others? The people who are in fear, I've been in fear. I know what fear is like. I can show you how to get out of fear because my sponsor, God, showed me how to get out of fear. That's what we do. We pass it on. And the person who's getting a, a white chip tonight might be my sponsor next week if I'm not careful. So I never look down on the white chip folks. I bless them for having the courage to come up because I don't know if I would have been able to do that when I was new. You know, 
We didn't have white chips in New York. They didn't do that. Out here, I see they do that a lot. I don't know if I would have got up and gotten a white chip or scared the heck out of me, but I see them doing it. Now, if you're getting your fifth and tenth and fifth, twentieth white chip, we need to talk. Yeah. Right? Because some folks make a life, a life out of coming back and coming back, and they live in and out in AA. Right? Still a reservation, a lurking notion. When the circle gets complete, it, it's always been, for me, uh, 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 what my life looked like, the circle around the triangle. When I got here in uh, 1988, I didn't know anything. I couldn't do anything. I remember going to a clubhouse, and I saw pictures of Bill and Bob. I didn't even know who they were. And the 12 steps was something on a wall for those old, older people, and they, they got to do it in the tra traditions. I, I, know con you know, I don't need them. I knew nothing, and I was scared to death. And people took me by the hand and pulled me ashore and taught me. Like in school, they taught me. And it wasn't only uh, 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 to gain more knowledge. It was about having an experience with the information. And so what I try to do is pass that on. But this circle, it was broken when I got here. It was broken with resentments. It was broken with fear. It was broken with contempt. It was broken with hatred and prejudices. The circle was not complete, and that's why I felt empty, insecure, fear-based, ego running wild. Walk into a room this size. I remember going to a Three Legacies meeting. It was twice this size, and I'd sneak in and hug the wall and stand way in the back. I wanted to be right up here. I wanted to go thank the speaker. I couldn't move. I knew I needed to be there. Hug the wall in the back broken. My ego says, you're different than them. You don't even belong here. They should be coming to you. <laughs> and they did. And I still size them up and judge them and critique them. Look at this guy, you know, with his bow tie or something. You know, you know, he's definitely not from New York. He talks funny. You know, the, the street thing, you know. Oh, Mr. Mr. Spiritual, you know, Mr. Mose. I mean, I was just ruthless. And this is when I'm getting sober, 1988, broken. And I bottomed out after six months. Almost six months, they completely bottomed out, and I wanted to drink again. And then I began this work. Now, what has happened to that circle, little by slowly, the resentments get fixed. The fears, it says we outgrow fear in our book can't use fear as a remedy to keep me sober because our book says we can outgrow fear. Fears got fixed. Contempt disappeared. Ego, little by slow, it gets grinded into dust. It's still there. It isn't the ego that I walked in here with. And the circle starts to get closed. And as it gets closed and becomes whole, so do I. And I have an okayness finally in here, in all my brokenness, in all my afflictions, in all this thinking mind, in all the stuff I walk with. The circle's been closed. I'm whole and complete and one. And the one I experience is the oneness with my creator. No more duality, no more separateness, but oneness. And that's when everything looks the same. My service, my recovery, my book, my, my fellowship, it's all the same movement. And I've been very blessed by God because I, I was t telling some guys who I work, I went to, I had never been to an AA dance. And I walked into a sober club once. I walked in for about two minutes, and the first thing I needed was a Jack Daniels. I need a drink now. The music was a club, only thing sober. The behavior was completely different. I said, I need a drink, and I walked out, and I was shaken, never to return to a sober club, because they used to be big in New York. 
Never been to an AA dance. Never caught up in the gossip column of AA and all the scuttlebutt. God has kept me away from that, and it saved my life. And I see people coming to me caught up in the AA gossip page. What are you doing? And where's your sponsor? There's always a drama, always got drama. She's talking to him, he's talking to her. This one said that, that one did this. We're not going out, we're not talking about... Uh, what? This is about spiritual progress. This is about getting well. This is about the glory of God and Alcoholics Anonymous. And God has kept me safe from that with all my mistakes. So we're on this path a while. What do we do when we're on this path for five years, ten years, and we're, we're reworking the steps? I'm one of the folks who reworked the steps at least once a year. One through nine, access power, kill off more self, and get moved into 10, 11, and 12, and grow in understanding and effectiveness. Takes, that power takes me back through one through nine into 10, 11, and 12, and kill off self some more. And we're able to wear the world like a loose garment. That's been my experience. My first uh, maybe 10 years in AA, I was one of those guys who went through the steps one time. And I believe one time and one time only, and I'd fight with you over it. And when I had to defend it, I knew there was something wrong. And I bottomed out again. I hit a wall. And my, my, my new sponsor, Mark Gage, came along, and we began reworking the steps. Gone through the steps four times in one year. One, day, one year. I like the effect produced by God. So once year I go through the 12 steps. But what if we're on this path? And here's been my experience. We're on this path. We're sober 5, 10, 15, 20 years or more. Have, have I gotten stagnant? Have everything become I do prayers by rote? I've hit the wall. There's no more excitement. I'm praying because I'm supposed to pray. What am I doing to grow in understanding and effectiveness? What am I doing about my body that's been badly burned by alcohol, even though I'm sober 20, 30 years? How, what am I doing with my body? What, is, what does my diet look like? How often do I go to a doctor? Do I need to sit with a the therapist? What am I doing? You know, what's my behavior like when no one's around? Do I practice these principles even though you're not? How's that doing? What do I do to go and understand effectiveness? And one of the greatest things I found is working with other books along with never instead of my big book. Seeing other practices, experiencing other practices along with never instead of my big book and being completely open. What this work has allowed me to do was got the jaws of life and pried me open and I will listen to anything or anyone and read anything about spirituality. It's food for the soul. And when I stop wearing blinders, I get in trouble. Well, it's not in the big book, so I can't read it. Well, that's not true. Our book tells us in the 11th step about being quick to see where religious people are right, make use of what they offer, and reading, I think it says, inspirational books. Absolutely. To enhance this experience, to grow in understanding and effectiveness, but never leaving home. Huh? Now, there's an interesting thing that can happen to us, and I was talking to, uh, to someone about this uh, over the, uh, I think it was over the weekend, and it's happened to me. If I think I'm enlightened, I'm probably not. <laughs> if I tell you I'm humble, I'm probably an egomaniac. But other people will sense that in you. People will sense your humility. People will sense your enlightenment. People will sense you, you're a guru. You've been touched with something. And if I'm truly enlightened, I don't pay too much attention to that, but all I do is give credit to my God that I'm able to be an effective instrument for him and take no credit for that. 
People have thrown daggers at me and people have thrown compliments at me. I just give it back to God. It's none of my business. Eight o'clock Tuesday nights, I'm supposed to give a talk and where it falls, it falls. Anything good comes out of it, give it to my Lord, not to me. I don't go home and say, way to go, Pete, good talk. I'm in serious trouble if I'm doing that. And the same thing if you throw a, a dagger at me and they go, how come they didn't like me? I'm in a lot of trouble. Huh? But what can happen, it's happened to me, and uh, just a quick synopsis, there's, there's a whole lot to this called dark night of the soul, but there's a point in prayer that I've experienced in trying to grow and understand the effectiveness, practicing these principles and all my affairs, that I thought because I'm doing good that I'm supposed to get rewarded. I'm supposed to get the great job, the girl, the car, the house, because I'm working with others. And one of my teachers said, so I guess you should get what you deserve for all the bad things you did too, huh? So I changed the subject and, you know. <laughs> but there was a point in there where I'm praying to I don't know who anymore. There's a point where I'm meditating. I don't know what I'm meditating about anymore. I feel lost in my prayer. I feel lost in my meditation. It feels foreign. Nothing is familiar. I don't even know where I'm going anymore. And I'm questioning A, I'm questioning God, I'm questioning everything. There's a feeling of being lost. My job is to keep chopping wood and carrying water. It's the complete removal of self and the destruction, dismantling of the ego. And it feels like we're lost. And looking back on it, when I came out of that, I realized for some time, from time to time, when I thought I was really connected to God and really have an effect meditations. I was praying to me and in charge of my own meditation. That's why I liked it. There's a part in prayer where we get, we can get completely lost in it. And the only way we can see the path is by the, the fire that burns in my heart to get right with God. I'm having visions. No, I'm creating the visions. There are no visions. If I have a vision, I run back to me, and this is for me, and say, I had a vision. I, I created it. When you really have a God experience, a concrete God experience, or a vision with God, that's close. That's intimate. I don't need to go share it at a meeting. It's so powerful and so intimate. I'll tell my sponsor, and just be still with it. And all my sponsor says, don't talk it away. Just be with it. I remember being in a meditation one time, just working with meditation like I did all the time, and getting so lost in meditation, I had this, this, this direction, these directions given to me, and literally a vision over three or four days. And in this experience, I remember feeling like this room uh, 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 was lit up with a bouquet of flowers that were roses. Very powerful. Didn't know what that meant. But it was so powerful, I was weeping at the end. If anyone's ever stood in the presence of the Lord, you're weeping. It's that powerful. But I didn't know what was going on. And I called my sponsor and I shared about the roses. I shared about the vision. I shared about directions. Don't tell anyone. He said, I'm going back to Texas. Joe's going to be here. I want you to follow the directions. I spoke to a priest about this, what the roses were. Very significant. It was an experience. I didn't run back to A and say, listen, what happened to me? I'm now Moses. Come to me. <laughs> All right. But there was a point uh, on this journey of really seeking God out and praying and doing all the things I'm told to do that I got lost. I couldn't find my way, questioning everything. The block I would walk down every day, I felt like I never walked down before. The noises in the street that I heard every day, they were foreign. Everything was foreign. People were foreign. Everything was foreign. I didn't know which end was up. It was as if I just landed in AA. 
and I'm trying to move through this in slow motion, what's wrong with me? I felt like I was dying. It was truly the death of self and the dismantling of the ego. My job is to keep chopping wood and carrying water. And what happens is it's like being pulled back on a slingshot and then God releases it and then we rock it. And we're as pure as the driven snow at that point. But many of us will bail. And if we're in this for the long haul, if we're really in, it's not always about bliss every time we walk into a meeting. Sometimes we're sitting, to, sitting in a meeting. Not that we have stuff going on because of our behavior. We just experience this dark night of the soul. I don't know where I am anymore. I'm sober 10 years. I'm doing all the work. I'm writing inventory. I have a sponsor. I'm sponsoring people. But there's something going on. I can't find my way. It doesn't feel good. Walking the spiritual path is not always blissful. Walking the spiritual path is questioning everything about who we think, who I thought I was, what my life's supposed to look like, where I'm supposed to live, what my God is, what AA is, what the big book's about, who's my sponsor. And I got to see how much ego was wrapped around all of it, and I wasn't even aware of it. And God says, okay, we're going to fix this. We're going all the way in now. We're going all the way in. We're going to rip it out root and branch to get you in new, new soil that doesn't feel good. Pruning is necessary for a tree to, to thrive. If you ask a tree, how's that feel? They don't like it. <laughs> it's not like us going for a haircut, it's painless. Pruning a tree is a violent act, but it's necessary because a tr good tree will bear good fruit and God continues to prune it to bear more fruit. He does it with us. His children will prune and prune and cut so we can bear more fruit. And in that, we become very attractive to a new person who's looking for a teacher, especially the men and women who are done. I'm not talking about the folks looking for a quick fix, just come to AA for a while, get popular, get a girlfriend, get a boyfriend, and they're out again. You can spot that 10 miles away. New people, those of us who have been around, we can spot you a mile away. <laughs> All right. I just pissed off everybody. <laughs> Listen, I say that because I'm trying to help. AA is not a nightclub. AA is not a nightclub. AA is our church. AA is a sacred place, treated as such. And if you have a sponsor worth their salt, they'll fix that right away. Huh? So in about 10 years or so, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what's going on in my life. And I'll, I will tell you uh, two things. It happened to me again. I was living in New Jersey, and I'm sober. I'm uh, working with my Mark H, and I'm sober um, well, 15 years. 16 years, and uh, it happened to me again, and this time it was really powerful. And I says, what is wrong with me? And I was completely feeling lost again, doing all the things I'm supposed to do. And I'm throwing myself harder into prayer. I'm throwing myself harder into meditation. I'm throwing myself deeper into working with others. I'm doing everything I have to do. I'm out of work. I can't get a job. I'm in a relationship that's not good. I, I'm trying to get money to put gas in my car. I'm interviewing all over. I'm walking the street. I'm selling, uh, looking to sell like cake off a rack into any store that would, I can make 20 bucks off of. I'm doing everything, car service, doing everything I can just to put money in my pocket. I can't get arrested. And someone took me for uh, a dinner one night. 
And I walked into the, I, I left the rest, I couldn't sit there, I, I need air, I, I, I keep, everything's closing in on me. And I went into the parking lot and I threw my arms up and I says, whatever I've done wrong, forgive me. I'm done running the show again. Please take me from this, just like I did June 23rd, 1988. I was doing nothing wrong. But I really got in touch with the humility God is forcing me to walk with. That of myself I have nothing the Father doeth the works. And God saw a little reconstruction of ego and removed everything. And I will tell you this, in those very uh, difficult, challenging, dark times, I still kept chopping wood and carrying water and seeking God and surrendering to God over and over and over again. Never once did I said, the hell with this. Kept throwing myself the more, uh, deeper into God. And I have found the greatest growth in that and the most intimate moments with my God. Because what I was exposed to, what I got to experience was somehow, some way, it was very delicate, gentle voice and feeling. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to be okay. God's got my back. There is no gravity in my world, God would tell me. The most intimate moments were in those places. It's easy to be spiritual when all the ducks are in a row. How am I doing when it's broken? It's the dark night of the soul. The most intimate moments with me and my God were in, was in that place so when you get out, when I got out on the other side and things start clicking, like me being brought to Florida, this to me, by the way, if you guys don't know, I'm in paradise. I live down here. I am so grateful to live in Florida. You have no idea. The meetings, the friends I've met, the job I have, the people I work with, I cry sometimes that God has brought me here. But there's a huge, huge sense of gratitude towards my God for taking my back and moving me through that times, moving me through dark night of soul, orchestrating the whole thing to get me right size so I can be an effective agent for him because he has a journey for me to walk. I'm clear on my purpose in life. I've been clear on my purpose for a long time. There was a time in AA I wasn't clear on my purpose. Okay, I know I'm in AA and I love AA and I'm you know, doing what I'm supposed to do, but where am I supposed to be? I'm clear, abundantly clear through those moments what I'm supposed to do with my life. And it's, some, it's, it's funny because what I do professionally, what I do privately parallels each other. One I get paid for, one I don't. But it's about teaching. Always a student, always keeping a beginner's mind because you can't teach an expert anything. But always a student, always with the beginner's mind. But God has allowed me to go teach through my experience. And it's not something I invented, it was given to me, which is part of like keeping right size. Any pearls or wisdom I may come up with was even given to me by God as inspiration or one of my teachers gave it to me and I'm sharing with you. But nothing from me. Of myself I am nothing the Father doeth the works. So all my gratitude goes to God. When I pray at night and I'm really tired, why not pray? I know we're tired, but like, look what I've been given. I can at least say, hey, thanks, appreciate it. When people give us Christmas gifts or birthday gifts, we Facebook everybody, we take that time. Look what I got, it's my birthday. We make the phone call, we send the letter. We can't do this with God. Hey, God, thank you. He doesn't need me to speak in tongues or in Latin, just, Father, thank you. It also helps me stay right size. When I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm a Catholic, 
and I have my God, but I had problems with my community. And what I did was search. I didn't know God was orchestrating this too. God had it set up from the day I walked in here. And I searched out all different religions. I would go to all these seminars and workshops about spirituality, meditation, uni- I was all over it. By myself, get in the car, go. I didn't need a pack rat to rack uh, a bunch of guys to go with me. i just get in the car and go. They thought I was nuts. I'd go up to Lincoln Center on Sunday mornings and see this guy, uh, Eric B. And I'd sit there every Sunday, go from Brooklyn, New York to uh, Lincoln Center. That's a bit of a stroll. But I'd go, and I'd gobble up tapes and, uh, and, and books, and, and I was doing this thing. And then I came back full circle to my religious community. And before that, I came back to my creator, my creator, which is the same creator mom and dad gave me when I was a kid with a whole new set of conceptions. And in that searching is when the relationship with the 12 steps was developed and formed and enhanced and made solid. It's in the searching that I grew, in the searching that I got experiences. It wasn't like, when I do this, I'll get there and I've arrived. The arrival is the, the journey, the walking, the scratching, the clawing, the questioning, all of it. There's the growth. There's the intimate relationship with God, vital for my life. And when I came back to where I am now, where I am currently, is a member of my church community. I went Sunday after I, got, I came home from Texas. I packed, uh, unpacked, settled in, went to Mass on Sunday. Again, I'm sitting and I'm in, in church and weeping. It's euphoric. And I get that in Alcoholics Anonymous. Some of the meetings are just meetings, but I, I never took for granted the fellowship, which is a band that an open wound for me, about the camaraderie that I get to experience with some men in AA. Not the guys clawing who just want something. Just the folks who are just glad to see me and go break bread and hang out. Oh, my Lord. How good is that? I've been excited to be here every Tuesday to see you guys, to see some friends, to be a participant. Every Tuesday, I've been excited to be here. Quiet excitement. I know I'm going Tuesday. And then we'll go eat afterwards, and we'll break some bread. We'll have a few laughs. Unless Billy's there, then we have problems. I know that. (laughs) What a great deal. And so I landed where I landed uh, uh, now, currently, And I don't know where God's going to take me. I'm pretty sure it's going to be here. I don't know what lies ahead. But I've learned this life is like a vapor. And it's gone. My sponsor said to me, Peter, what are you doing about the dash? I said, what dash? He said, when you go to a cemetery, there's a headstone. And there's a date you were born. And the date God took you home, in the middle is a two-inch dash. That's your life. What are you doing about the dash? Spending time in gossip, resentments, fear, all the scuttlebutt, anger, frustration, despair, relapsing, treatment center after treatment center after sober house after treatment center after detox, and it goes on and on and on. You know, Mom, I just met a new guy. He's wonderful. What does he do? He's in a halfway house. You hear dad locking and loading on his way down to Florida, right? But he's cute, you know? I'm getting old, man. (sighs) 
So um, anyway, I'm pretty much out of time. Um, this has been a blast. Uh, the past three months, and uh, I talk about attachments not getting attached to any kind of external conditions. Attachments will kill you, um, yet every time I do one of these, it's time for me to move on, and God's going to take me where he's going to take me. Um, it's time to move, because if I stay longer, then it's the ego, but it's difficult to sometimes, not here, but just to be here. Um, but I got to keep chopping wood and carrying water and follow my law to wherever he takes me. I know it'll be blissful. That's all I got. Peace. Don't worry. We're going to make sure he comes back real soon.